This is how my story started. Almost 20 years ago, there was a smaller outpost here. We hadn't quite moved to Caramelplex yet. It was an unassuming community, built among ruins that were never quite as sturdy as the ones in Metropolis West. But I didn't know that, growing up out here. It was just my home. Palomo! Good to see you back. Good to be back, Commissioner. Contained the fires in the East Quadrant? Sure did, sir. Lithium battery-based fire, so we're down another 800 gallons of water. Unfortunately. There's another fire out of the Potenco crypto mine. <sighs> Again? Confirmed it myself. That's the fourth fire there in the last five months. <sighs> Guess I'm spending another night writing up reports. Well, as long as the correctors and our fire brigade play nice together, it shouldn't be a problem. They're still pumping out water here for us. Yeah. Water that was already there that they took. <laughs> Watch it, Palomo. We're not all bad. It's not you that I'm mad at. Just whoever's making the decisions on property lines. It's all nonsense. Why does Potenko need more land out here anyways? I know you haven't been out to Metropolis West, so it's probably a little more confusing for you. You know the Numatron tube. I've heard of it. That underground power system, right? The city's growing fast, and they're overloaded out there. So they're trying to offload. It's why I moved out here. Potenko initiative from before your time. And it's why they built that crypto mine here. But it's burning out too. I suspect they'll be building a new one. That's all Dad's been talking about recently. I just hope this will be the last time we have to go back and forth about land use with the representatives from Glasshouse. Frankly, it's given me a headache working on that with him. At least he and I are on the same page. Yeah, I think we're all getting a little overworked. You know, you're really taking after your dad, though. Starting to even look like him. One of these days I'll say Palomo, and it'll be Jeb turning around, not you. Oh. Uh, really? Hey, it's a compliment, bud. I promise, you look younger than he does. And, of course, your long hair is a dead giveaway. <laughs> well, I've uh, kept you long enough, so I'll see you around. Stay out of trouble, kiddo. Yes, sir. I'm just swinging by the cafeteria first. Then I'm heading home. What would have happened if I hadn't gone there that day? Would I have met up with the recruiter eventually? Would I have even felt the need to go? Shoot. Do I even have enough for a full meal? Oh, I'm starving. Hey there. Ugh. I'm too crypto short. Guess I won't get a drink? You in the green. Oh, sorry. Are you talking to me? Anyone else wearing a lime green jacket? Come on over. Uh, what's all this about? I'm a recruiter for the Potenko military. Really? Is that allowed here? Well, you are in a Potenko-funded cafeteria. And if you mean on a grander scale, yes, we are allowed to recruit from outside the metropolis. You're all Potenko citizens out here, too. <laughs> I don't think people think of us that way. I don't get the discount here. To tell you the truth, neither do I. But I got a couple extra crypto, so how about this? Your dinner's on me if you listen to my spiel. That's a pretty good deal. Great. You like burgers? Because I do. You make it sound like this recruiter was pretty young. He was. We both were. It made us both naive. And from what you said earlier, people were actively moving from Metropolis West to the outposts. Nowadays, Potenko makes it sound like if you're not on a shielded highway like the Torpedo, you're dead. Like, no one settles down here. But they were encouraging people to do that before. What changed? It was the war. The war they don't want anyone to talk about, on pain of death or something much worse than that. War, like everything else, is about power and control. So, I haven't gotten your name proper, but I can do a pretty cool trick with my database if you give it to me. Um, sure. Last name? Palomo. Oh, we got two of you. 
You don't strike me as much of a Jeb. Uh, no, no, um, that's my dad. So you are... <clears throat> uh, you can call me by my last name. Everyone does it. Hey, before I wow you with my other trick, I can do a different one right now. What do you want your name to be? Sorry? Like, you know, it seems you're not super fond of the one that's written down here. So what's your actual name? Um, well, <laughs> I've been reading a couple of different books and saving names purely based on stories I like, so I don't know if any of them are quite right. So, uh, let's go with Eleanor. That's a nice one. Or, actually, wait. Let me just make it Nell. I think that's better. Yeah, that suits you up. I'll just backspace that and... Ta-da! You're officially Nell Palomo in our database. It was that easy? That easy. Thank you. Okay, here's my actual trick. I can tell you all about you. (laughs) I think I'm more of an expert than you on the matter. Just hear me out, okay? Promise it'll be worth your burger and more. All right, all right. Here we go. You're Nell Palomo. 18 years old as of May 23rd. You were born to Jeb Palomo and Winona Palomo Ne Fernandez. Your blood type is A negative. You've been in the Firefighters Brigade, the Greater County Fair Mallplex area, unofficially since you were 15, and officially as of your 18th birthday. That sound about right so far? Wow. You guys keep a pretty close eye on all of us, huh? Oh, not everyone exactly. Only people we're interested in. <laughs> you don't mean me, do you? Anyone else eating dinner with me right now? You're special. Come on. Let me go on with our profile. Nell Palomo is a gifted and well-known officer. She takes orders with obvious pride, no matter who it's coming from, despite being younger than a majority of the firefighters' brigade. Dedicated to a cause. If enrolling early in the brigade wasn't enough, Nell is also reportedly one of the most active members, spending a majority of free time working. Nell cares deeply about protecting others, frequently heading operations and serving as backup for more dangerous calls. Lastly, Nell has a history of land protection as well. Along with Jeb Palomo, Nell has been one of the strongest defenders of sovereignty in 54C, YO70. You paid a very flattering picture. As I should. Look, Nell, I know this is my job, but you genuinely seem like a perfect fit for our specialized squad. For someone with your experience in the brigade, it'll only be 10 months of additional training, and then you'll be doing something that could change the world. Well, most of the war is being fought in the wasteland, right? At least... That's what I've heard. We don't want to waste your talents out there. The farther you get from metropolises, the more burned out the landscape is. No, you don't want to be defending that. You should be defending something much, much bigger than that. You'd be defending our planet. Sorry, what? We're fighting a war on a lot of different fronts, but space, that frontier, might be one of the most important. The other metropolises will stop at nothing to get control worldwide. But we're lucky we have Potenko. We're using technology to make sure the airspace isn't dominated by the other metropolises. Isn't it kind of a wasteland up there, too? Not up higher. It's space. You're kidding. No, we need people like you. People who want to protect the people we care about. There aren't enough resources to keep Metropolis West running with the war happening at the same time. A lot of people there are ignorant about what's happening. But you have experience. You care. We need that. This is all just a lot to take in. I don't need you to sign right away. You can call me, look over all the administrative stuff, but I promise, we pay well, really well, like support a whole town well. The benefits of the Space Force are unmatched by any other branch. On top of that, it's only a two-year tour, and we have healthcare, good healthcare. I hope I'm not intruding by saying this, but we do offer gender transition options. Really? Yeah, you wouldn't be alone in joining for that. Look, I think you're really talented and perfect for this, and I don't want you to slip away from us. I think you could really make a difference. I, um... I'll think about it. Great. Here. I'm staying at the corrector house, so you can call this number to get a hold of me. Think about it, okay? Think about it. Enjoy your bird. Wait, uh, I'm sorry. Who should I ask for? I don't know your name. Not important. The only important one here is you now. Just ask for the recruiter. They'll know who I am. He left me there, staring into my own reflection as I watched him walk away through the window of the cafeteria. I never did learn his name. It was all a blur. I only talked with him once more before I joined. 
and it was mostly to hash out details on healthcare. I wanted to change the world, sure, but if I could get on estrogen and spear at the same time too, that wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, recruiters for correctors still use the same tactics. They're always dangling something you want in front of you just to get you to sign your life away. I can't blame it all on him. I think I was blinded by wanting. Wanting to help support my hometown, wanting to transition, wanting to save everyone somehow. And in the end, he was a victim anyhow. Was he recruited into your fleet? No. Our fleet was lucky, comparatively. We had to be dishonorably discharged publicly to make an example. But everyone behind the scenes, everyone who recruited our fleet, or scouted us, everyone who trained us, anyone connected to the 207th fleet, they were all executed. Oh my god. That was the price for a program that failed. And in some ways, we were the biggest failure Potenko had in a long time. Lalita? Sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up. <clears throat> nah, you're good. I don't sleep more than three hours at a time anyways. <laughs> you did seem to be a very light sleeper. Not that bad if I'm waking up to you. Did you need help taking that prosthetic off? Oh, no. I designed this pair to be accessible for double amputees. See? You can click this button and it'll disengage itself. I was surprised you fell asleep with them on. Usually I try not to. It can be painful wearing them for too long. But people tend to react poorly to seeing my actual arms. Not a big deal to me. <laughs> Are you always this cuddly at four in the morning? Only with you so far. Come lay down again. You know, what I do want to know is why you wear potent co-prosthetics. I'm pretty sure you could print your own, so... What? Is it a point of pride or something? Remembrance? Neither of those. I'm not proud of my time in Glasshouse. And all my remembrances are mementos from my parents. They're just the most high-tech ones I have since they're from the program. So they're the most useful when I need to do delicate work. Or look less scary to others. They're the most human-looking of my prosthetics, since that's a big deal to most people. Making sure you look normal. They don't look quite like the blueprints you showed me, though. Did you scrap parts of it? I did. I made alterations here and there. You can pick one up, I'll show you. I'll be careful. There, on those seam lines, I strengthened the supports. The polymer they used on the inside was weaker than I expected, so I reinforced it with a ceramic coat. And there, I had Vic help me with the nervous system and neural interface, so it could be even more sensitive when necessary. What's this chamber? I use that to store odds and ends now, but it was originally a chassis for concealed weapons. It's where I hid the syringe back when we were cornered by correctors at the base. The whole reason I left the Prodigy program is because they were using the technology we developed to maintain control over people. Military and police tools. It was why we had such a huge budget, because otherwise, a tool like this couldn't be produced on such a massive scale. <sighs> and as things stand now, they never will be. These were the only ones that were ever made, then. Unfortunately, yes. They're my prototypes. And if I wanted to ever print them again, I'd have to get the kind of resources only Glasshouse has. So, my dream of more accessibility through technology will have to wait. Do you ever wonder about them? The rest of the people in the program, I mean. Obviously Haven's here, but she was kicked out, too. I do think about them from time to time, but I'm not sure what happened. The program was deemed a failure from what I heard, so I wasn't able to keep in touch with anyone after I left. 
I always hoped that they were okay, but the glass house in my memory is five years out of date. I don't think that even if I went back now, anything would be the same. And the world spins madly on. I get the feeling. I hope the next batch you wear doesn't hurt to wear. Every prosthetic's a pain to wear for a long time. Which ones hurt the least? Oh, usually the simplest ones. Nothing beats a hook hand and a good old pulley system. I could get them for you to use if you want. No, no. I've got to charge these ones anyways, so I'll walk them to my room by myself. Don't want me to come with you? No. I want you to get some more sleep. You planning on coming back to my room, or should I say goodnight? I'll come back. In the meantime, you get some shut-eye, okay? I'll be waiting for you, Kana. Where did you pick that up? Prasad in the South Wing said it was something to say to your partner. Why, did I say it wrong? No, I was just surprised. Pleasantly so. I'll see you soon. Gamma? What's... what's going on? You're gonna hurt yourself. Don't pull at that. Talk to me, man. Print something out. I... I can't read this. You're trying to put too much stuff down on paper. Look, let's just use the beep system again, alright? Okay. Something's clearly wrong. So... Let's start with this. Are you hurt? But you're acting like something's going on inside of you. Does it have to do with Haven? Well, we took the bug out, so you shouldn't have any more surveillance on you. Is that it? Okay, so it has to be something else. Something else. Uh, is it your machinery? Am I getting close? Is it your organs? Does it have to do with both of them? Ah. Uh, okay. Um, hang on. Let me get Ava. Tari, is that you? Oh! Hey, hey there. Uh... It's me, Baz. Right! <laughs> Baz! Oh my gosh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's like the fourth time this week. It's no big deal. You feeling okay? Why are you awake right now anyways? Ah, uh, you know I like to get up bright and early. You're still wearing your pajamas. <laughs> Nothing gets past you, man. <laughs> I, uh, couldn't sleep, so I thought I'd take a walk. Bunny, I know you told me not to be so overprotective, but a walk isn't exactly in your best interests right now. I know, I know. I'm heading back to bed now, so I might as well sleep in. Why are you up, though? The storm's still going, so I thought I'd get a jump on Ganymede's plan. I was hoping the early morning wind would be less strong. Yeah, sounds like you're out of luck there. <laughs> I know. As long as I'm up, I'll walk you back, though. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Baz. Whoa, you must have really overdone it. How long were you up? Uh, since like 3 a.m., maybe? Were you seriously walking around that whole time? Oh, don't worry. I was sitting for the majority of it. Really? Yeah. Tried not to stay on my feet for more than 15 minutes. Like the doctor said. Weren't you coming from the East Living Blocks? Most of that area doesn't have benches installed yet since the design revamp. I did a whole loop. I know. Hold your applause. Hey, I'm not sure what you're trying to pull over me, but I was using a cane to get around my whole first year here. Doing half a loop, let alone a full one, in an hour? <laughs> That's pretty tough. So where'd you actually go? It's not a big deal. I mean, sure, but it's not adding up. I, I forgot. I, I, I guess I must have walked somewhere else first. I don't know. I'm not trying to invade your privacy or anything. If you were going to see Astra or something, I'd get it if you didn't want to give me all the details. But also, you almost always give me all the details. Like, an uncomfortable amount of details. I do tend to do that. Man, nothing gets past you for real. Uh, no. Tons of stuff does. <laughs> I just know you, and this isn't how you act normally. Baz, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're gonna judge me for this. I promise, I'm not going to. I went... 
I went to go visit Haven. What? You said you weren't going to judge me. Expressing surprise isn't judgment, but seriously, what? We have doctors. You literally have an appointment in two days. I wasn't going for medical advice. Then why did you go? For... I don't know. Because she could understand something that no one else has been able to get? Not even you? I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be upset with you, but if you went in with her, then you could have gotten seriously hurt. It's not like she attacked me, or anyone. So far. But we're all still trying to understand what she wants, and she's unpredictable. I was too when I came here. And we had to go through all the protocols to make sure everyone was safe. Even I wasn't allowed to visit you without checking in with someone. Wait, did you tell anyone you were going besides me just now? I'm not mad at you. I'm not judging you, but you need to be honest. You didn't tell anyone? I didn't. Not even a guard? No, I, I... I know I should have. Tari, you didn't remember my name when we saw each other. You didn't have backup, and, and more importantly, you didn't have someone to double-check the security systems. There's a guard, isn't there? There's always someone. I mean, it's usually Nell, but she would have stopped you. Anyone would have stopped you, which, which means... The guard booth was empty. Baz, I'm not sure if I locked the passage door. There should have been an alarm if you opened the door and left it unlocked. But I don't know. I, I don't remember it. But my memory's always fuzzy around the edges these days. What if I didn't? Don't panic. There's a really simple solution to at least know if you left it unlocked. We'll head back over there. Uh, yeah. Right. On second thought, you look terrible. Sit here. I'll check. Okay, here it is. Everything looks fine, but just in case. What the? Well, that can't be right. Oh shit. Uh, Tari! Yeah, there's actually a bit of a situation. Oh my god. What did I say earlier? Don't panic. You need to stay calm so we can deal with the situation. And also, so you don't keel over and pass out right now. But, Haven's out. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Focus. We need to arm the security system, so I'll go tell Nell. I'll come with you. It might be safer if you don't. Screw safer! I messed up. Nell should at least hear that from me. <sighs> Fine. If you want to come with, you can. Just take it easy, okay? No, we have to hurry. We need to protect everyone else in here like Nell always says we should. Let's go. This is where my story began to hurtle towards the end. Ten Hut! Junior officers, listen up. Today is your day. In less than 12 hours, Fleet 207 launches from our fine complex here in Metropolis West and up into space. I advise that you get all your affairs in order. Space is a long way away from home and we do not allow use of our signals there for personal calls. So do me a favor and don't screw it up for our communications officers. Our fleet will be sharing the MWS Melpomen with the pre-existing platoon of Fleet 206, so be on your best behavior for the next two years. I expect nothing but the best from you all. You're some of the best and brightest we've had through the Space Force training, and you're our only fleet made up entirely of recruits from the outposts. Wear that honor with pride. Now, like I said, make sure everything's in order before launch. Dismissed! Good afternoon, Sergeant Mariano. Afternoon, Airman First Class Palomo. At ease. How you feeling? Pretty good, sir. I'm looking forward to being deployed to the actual starfield today. Atta girl. I've always liked the enthusiasm. And uh, don't tell the others, but when I spoke about the best and brightest in the Academy, I thought of you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Honestly, I'm proud that I get to be here, serving the Metropolis and the Outposts alike. It's an important job that we have. We're defending our people. We're able to make the tough calls when it's necessary. And we're ready to put our lives on the line for our metropolis. That's what makes us so special, huh? I agree, sir. Good. 
You may be interested in settling your personal matters if you haven't already. There's a phone we set up a few days ago that has a signal to the outposts. A weak one, but a signal nonetheless. I thought you might like to call someone. I'll be alright, sir. I spoke with my father yesterday. He must be proud of you. From a kid in the firefighters brigade to a real live officer. He said as much. We also finally decided on my new name. Switching away from Nell, then. We'll have to fill out some forms for that, but it shouldn't be too difficult. No, 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 no. Uh, just settle on a new personal name. Well, that's good to hear. I'm excited for you, Nell. I really am. Will that be all, sir? I'd better check in with our specialists. But if anyone in the fleet is feeling nervous, I'll let you handle it. They probably trust you the most, seeing as you helped recruit most of them. I think I saw Airman Shasta wanting to call home. Right away, sir. Dismissed. Orders. <laughs> I was so good at doing what I was told. Always following exactly what was asked of me to the letter. And why did I do all that anyways? It sure as hell didn't make me rise up the ranks. After all, I was only ever Airman First Class until the very end. But you were only, what, 19 when you finished training? At that point in your life, all anyone has ever taught to do is to take orders. You went from one regiment to another. It's no wonder that you kept doing what felt familiar. It's no excuse. While what you're saying is true, I was still in charge of people's lives. You can't blame yourself forever. You have no idea how bad it got. That night, as we took off, I watched the world grow smaller and smaller, the lights of the metropolises across the world burning holes into the atmosphere. Flashes of gold receded into those dark clouds that wrapped our carriage to the stars. <laughs> That's a turn of phrase, right? The stars are dead. It surprised me at first, too. After all, stars adorned what little I had seen of Glasshouse's infamous dome a place where the remnants of the past became the playground for the spoiled rich children who lived there. But up there? As we shot into the night, I saw them for the first time ever. White fire. It wasn't like the sun, not that muggy yellow of a clear sky in the outposts, nor that choked red covered in smog. They were beautiful. Sparks caught in the fabric of night, never igniting. Diamond bursts that seemed to tangle themselves in my hair as I saw my face set in glass against all that loveliness. And below us? The clouds that had choked out these glorious lights. They were not just dust, but debris of a hundred battles that had worn on up here. Scratched scrap metal that only shone dully as it twisted and caught the starlight in itself. A graveyard. Of all the wasted ships and blasters and lives falling into our orbit. It was clear to me then that this war had been going on far longer than anyone had been told. A fight that even preceded the incendiary, and therefore the formation of the metropolises themselves. History caught in the heavens, with special agents assigned to throw even the slightest bit of that into the wasteland so no one could see it till they flew up there themselves. And by that time, it would be too late to turn back. Or to even want to turn back. Because that didn't stop you, did it? Otherwise, you wouldn't be carrying all this regret. You're right. That's not what did it. Because when I saw that then, what I saw was victory. So what if they fibbed a little? ships didn't read MWS, said MES or MNS or MSS instead. That only made me want to fight harder to keep it that way. Because right now, those clouds meant that we were winning. Do you get it now, Sujin? Why I can't stop feeling so guilty about all of this. I bought into it. Only ten months with them, and I started believing them. Enough that I didn't question what should have set off alarm bells in my head. 
I didn't grow up in Metropolis West. I had a dad who taught me everything, everything opposing those ideas of conquest and domination. I should have known. I should have known better. But it wasn't about that, at your core. Because in a war, winning means safety. That was what they sold you on. (laughs) It wasn't just safety, though. Days after we docked at the Melpamine, the enemy launched a sneak attack on us. There's no day and night up there, but we still kept time. So it was early in the morning when Metropolis North blew a hole in the hull. Gravity systems are still active. Any Ammon who can hear me, secure the hull. Ammon Paloma, you're taking flight. But, sir, my crewmates need me. That was my sector. Leave them to the nurse specialists. We need your skills. Flight Bay 132 is the closest to us, and we have to fire back. Make sure North gets what's coming to them. Yes, sir. What I didn't know was that our station had already been compromised. All I could feel was the blood pumping hot under my skin, the sheer panic and adrenaline thinking about the safety of my fleet, the people who I'd entrusted my life to, the people who'd entrusted their life to me in turn, whose lives I might have signed away by telling them that they should fight in this war too. When I turned the corner to Flight Bay 132, I saw him, an officer from Metropolis North, standing in the airlock among our gleaming ships. I remember what it looked like, but I don't feel like I remember seeing it. My eyes burned behind my suit. My muscles taut with fear. He didn't see me. Not then, at least. He was turned away. But his face... I thought in that moment about how hateful it might be. I imagined how he might have smiled as he pulled the trigger that detonated the charge with ray gun fire that could have pierced the heart of anyone I'd recruited myself. I stepped towards the door. Nell! What's going on? There's been a breach. You don't mean... (sighs) She escaped. I'm sorry. I must have misheard you. Look, I, I know you said we were supposed to follow protocol, but I... I hadn't ever had anyone to talk to about Glasshouse, and after I talked with Jet, I just... felt right to figure out how I felt about everything I left behind. I shouldn't have gone without anyone. I get it, but I felt... ashamed about it. That is not an excuse. They are not making any excuses. Stand down, Reyes. You mean to tell me that after I instructed everyone to be careful, after de-escalating a situation on the very first day, After all of my carefully planned interrogations and hard work, you threw all that away. I'm sorry, Nell. You are endangering everyone here because of your choice. One that could have easily been avoided if you'd been patient and swallowed your shame about this. But people here hate Glasshouse. I needed to talk at least once to someone who still wants to go back sometimes. You still did this at the risk of everyone else here putting their lives on the line because you can't figure out how you feel. Hey, no, that's not fair to say, and you know it. It's like you don't even care that our people could get hurt because of you. You are so selfish. No! I'm sorry. I said I was sorry. That doesn't matter. You already did it. Now you have to fix it. But I don't know how. That's why we even came to you. Steady, Tari. Come on. Take a breath. This is all my fault. We came here as fast as we could, but we don't have a plan. We need you, Nell. You're our leader. Think of something, please! I've always been so careful about security. I I don't understand how this happened. Well, like you said, it did. So, our first course of action should be to lock as much of Caramelplex down as we can. 
She's not leaving, not in this weather. But she came here to find someone, we know that much. Right. Right. Um, I'll head to the security plaza. Sebastian? I can't go. Look at Tari. They're not well. I hate to admit it, but, um, he's right. I'm really dizzy. Don't worry. I'll handle this with Nell, alright? It's gonna be okay. Thank you. Tari, I want to get you the first aid kit. Just lay down. I'll put my jacket here. He's got it covered for now. Nell, we've got to get moving. <sighs> okay. That feels better. Yeah, these are much more comfortable. Alright. Back to Indra. Attention Caramelplex. We're initiating our lockdown protocol because you've identified a potential threat. I will be handling the matter shortly. But for the time being, all residential and service areas will be secured until this is dealt with. One way or another. Palomo, out. Ah, what a shame. I thought I'd have at least a few more hours of freedom to find a place to hide and make myself comfortable. I guess I'll just have to get a little more... aggressive. Sorry, uh, what the hell? What kind of reaction is that? Nell, why are you trying to hunt down Haven yourself? She's dangerous! Which is exactly why I'd be better suited than most of our current security to handle her. I'm pretty sure most of them have military backgrounds too. You're not being smart by doing this. You're not thinking at all! What are you going to do when you see her? Subdue her. And how exactly are you going to do that? We're completely unprepared for this. We? You're not doing this by yourself, that's for sure. I'm gonna get help, and we'll do this together. That can't be good. And neither is that. Shoot. Don't think I can't hear you. These halls can carry sound pretty well. Whoever you are, come on out. I just want to talk. I should have guessed that was locked. No hiding out here. Everything residential or service is closing down, so... Anything that's not either of those... Better start moving. Open, goddammit! Open! Of all the times for me to be trapped somewhere! I guess we're stuck in here. Together. For... for the time being. I wonder if everything is alright out there. I think we might need to focus on what's going on here. So, Gamma said something is going on internally. Um, is this like, a therapy thing? Because, I gotta be honest, I don't know how good I'm gonna be with that. No, I don't think so. Well, actually, I think we're all probably going to need therapy after this. But that's not what he's talking about right now, so let's focus on that. He said it's something to do with both his machinery and his organs. Does it have something to do with the lockdown? Yep, I was afraid that was the case, after you said Haven was responsible for this. It's not related to the surveillance bug, but it's still something installed on you? Oh, okay, then why haven't we taken it out? Where is it? Because we couldn't take it out. Taking it out would mean killing him. Gamma, do you mean... Whatever it is, it's inside the organic part of you? Do you have something to hide? There's no reason you should be running away from me, unless that's the case. I said all I wanted to do was talk. For all I know, you're just another member of this strange little cult out here. I'm not armed. I'm not that dangerous. So I would appreciate it if you would quit scampering around. 
Especially when you're being so embarrassingly obvious. <laughs> Just a mannequin. I guess this is a mall after all. Something you should know about me is that I'm very good at finding people. Better than most. Because when I want something bad enough, there's nothing I'll stop it to get it. And people just fall into my lap. You know, I even lost the tracker on one of my patients, and I still found her here. Almost like Z wanted to be found by me. So I'm sure you'll come around in time. Oh my god, she's so annoying. Indra? What are you doing here? Looking out for you. I'm glad you're here with me. But how exactly did you find me? That was easy. I came here with Tari before. Since it's still an unfinished wing, I figured it wasn't locked down along with the rest of the automated systems. That's what I was thinking too, when I was looking for somewhere to hide. Wait, how did you get out of the room? Tore the door off the frame. Wow. Be impressed by my incredible muscles later. We need to move. Take it from someone who's used to hunt down other people for a living, it's not a smart idea to hide somewhere so obvious. The dressing rooms were just farther from the entrance. I get the logic, but you can't think like someone who's being chased. We'll come up with something together. So follow me, and stay close. Vic! Hey! You up? Of course I am, man. It's like four in the morning. You know that's not a sentence anybody says, right? Kane, I didn't know you were visiting Vic. Uh, yeah. Jet and I were planning on getting out of his hair soon, but then the lockdown started. What's going on out there? Haven's out. I went to Indra's room first, but, uh, it kind of seems like Z figured their own way out, so I figured I'd come get Vic and you two. What about Lolita? She must know she's gotta stay put. I checked on her first, actually, right after Nell and I started the lockdown. But she's not in her room. You don't think she- Probably not. Haven wasn't armed and most of what could be used as weapons are secured. Plus, no one reported a breach, so she wasn't trying to grab anything. Makes sense, actually. She's not trying to draw attention to herself. It's a good thing you guys caught wind of her escape. Okay, but what's the game plan? Haven's trying to get a hold of Lalita and by now they could be anywhere in Caramalplex. Also, we're still kind of trapped in here? Yeah, I can't unlock any specific doors, unfortunately. The lockdown would have to be completely lifted, and that would just drag more people into this situation. <sighs> okay then. Vic? Sorry about your door. Right. Forgot you carry that around everywhere. <laughs> this is gonna take a while, so go coordinate the rest of the plan with Nell and whoever else. We'll meet up with you. See you at the security plaza, then. Now's a good time for my mini welder. That is like the exact opposite of what we need to be doing right now. Ah, you're right. Hi again. So, update. Lalita's not in her room, Indra presumably ripped the door out of its frame to go find her, and Vic, Kane, and Jet are busting out and will meet us here ASAP. But as long as you're not worried about doors, you could call a couple more people in here. We need all the help we can get. No. Uh, my plan doesn't work if we don't have people posted at perimeters to apprehend Haven. You're going to have to come up with a different plan, then. I'm not going to keep putting people here in danger. You realize that you're not doing anyone a favor by constantly risking your life in more ways than one. You don't want people here to be cannon fodder, but you don't treat yourself any better. That's no way to live. I'm responsible for everyone here. That's the job of a leader. Hey, do you know what another part of being a leader is? Coming up with a plan! And, since you don't want to use mine, I'd appreciate it if you and I could come up with something. Okay, I will openly admit that I need a lot of time to think of a plan. But we need something as soon as possible. Anything goes. I promise I'll listen. I'm trying right now to listen to what you're feeling in this situation. Nell, please. I'm a terrible leader. I know that. When a situation like this happens, I feel so lost. So scared. 
All leaders feel that way, I'm sure of it. But whether I give or take orders, it's always the same. Make sure North gets what's coming to them. At Flight Bay 132, I didn't wait to see that man's face. He was an enemy, and I'd gotten the order to make sure they got what was coming to them. It was like a dream. In the door pane, I watched a bead of sweat roll down my face, saw my own frantic eyes scanning the situation, saw my hand reach for the airlock eject button. Now, did you... He didn't even scream. I don't think he even knew what happened, really. At least, I tell myself that sometimes. There one moment, gone the next. The only difference was his absence. The space he used to be in. Sujin, I wish I could tell you that was the moment that I decided we couldn't do it anymore. That then... When I killed that man, it was the last stain that would ever be on my conscience. But instead, it was a small stain at the back of my mind. Even now, all those moments... Careful. Quiet and check your corners. No telling where they are. Good work, Palomo. It was almost at the end of my two-year service when I finally turned around. I'd spent twenty months up there in space. Enough time that gravity was an afterthought. A day-night cycle. Meaningless. I woke up every morning, took my estrogen and Spiro, patrolled the station, always did what I was instructed to do. I was happy when I looked in the mirror, to see a face so different than the one I had when I'd first arrived. Softer features, fuller lips, cheekbones finely elegant instead of angular. I can't say I'm not grateful that I got access to HRT through my service, but in other ways, when I looked at myself, I hardly recognized the woman that stared back. Ammon Palomo, I need you in the field today. You know about the satellite base above Mars, right? Your assignment is to guard it during its landing. And today, you'll be squad leader. Sir, permission to speak? Granted. I've never been on planet duty. With all due respect, shouldn't you choose someone more qualified? You are one of the most qualified people in the 207. You've executed every mission with flying colors. I trust you to follow the plan exactly. You're gonna be just fine, Nell. Now, head out. That's an order. Before I knew it, I found myself on a flight path to our satellite base, the MWS Isa. It hadn't been planet-side, but other than that, it was simpler than other missions I'd been on. I had experience with all-out skirmishes, undercover infiltration, reconnaissance, the works... This was a simple base defense, and with no obvious enemies. As far as I knew, that satellite base landing was routine. Fleet 207. According to the captain, we'll be touching down shortly. So, keep your visors down and stay in flank formation. Reports state that there are no currently identified threats on the surface, but it's better to be safe than sorry. I and some of the other airmen will be taking a brief recon of the area before we land. Red, dusty winds skip fragments of stone across an alien landscape. Underneath my aircraft, machinery clanged with surprising force. Drills and mining rigs pulling soil from the planet metal pipes that connected vast networks of equipment that spat dark smoke into the sky. The same color as the redacted sections on the report I'd received. 
But I knew what these machines were for. Had studied well enough in the academy. These were for terraforming a planet. Well, also draining it of its resources. Blue 5 to Blue 1, a Metropolis East satellite is trying to land. Aircraft have been deployed. Do we engage? Affirmative. Our mission is to protect the MWS Isa. Take thrust formation and draw their fire. Even as I gave a command, I felt uneasy. Why was I protecting these operations anyways? Every report I'd ever received was on a need-to-know basis. Line after line struck out with swaths of black. And I hadn't questioned it until now. Until I'd seen land that was being raised by the corporation whose ray gun I carried. Seldon carbonate was stamped all over those machines. And on the side of my jet, too. I couldn't stop thinking about our land in the outposts, scarred by the same machines. <laughs> that was close. Just a little crosshairs. There. The impact of my shot sent the Metropolis East aircraft spiraling. Its pilot recovering from the impact of their heads smacking the window of the cockpit, with at least a helmet between those two things. When they looked at me, though, for a split second, I saw it in the dark, broken glass of their visor. I saw myself. A similar visor obscured my face, my identity, my personhood, and beneath the shards... I saw their eye. It was already bloodshot with fear or adrenaline, but it was an eye that looked familiar. It was the same eye I'd seen in my own reflection almost two years ago. Someone who'd gotten dragged into this whole mess with a promise dangling in front of them. And probably financial too, by the looks of it. That case, short as it was, felt like it asked me a million questions. Why was it that they recruited specifically from the outposts, a place with far less money than their city? Why choose people from outside their dome to defend a world beyond? Because they didn't think we would make it anyways. In the long run, two years of dream-come-true expenses for an Epsilon class are nothing especially if they die in combat before you really have to pay out. We were expendable. Nothing to them, even if we lived just outside their walls. Blue 2 to Blue 1, you're breaking formation. What's going on? I need to head back to the satellite. Blue Squad, come back with me. What? But that'll endanger the mission. Blue 1, no! They'd recruited me when I just turned 18, I'd seen faces younger than mine clamoring to join. I asked myself, why haven't you looked closer to all of this? Ever asked yourself why they needed over 200 fleets in space to fight a war that seemed to end only in bases suspended over every planet that wasn't our own? And now, terraforming it? The answer was so clear then. Space was their escape plan. They didn't care about protecting anything. They just wanted to grab the resources and establish colonies they could run away to when things got bad. Exactly. One-way tickets for anyone who could afford it, which is a very slim population. But I, I believed in something my father had taught me over and over again. No matter how bad it got, it was our job to take care of our world, to be stewards of our place and our people. While Potenko had given up completely, I believed that the planet I hadn't been back to for nearly two years was still worth saving. We are not each other's enemies. You have more in common with the enemy's soldier than you do with the people who brought us here. Lay down your weapons. Do not attack. That's an order. It wasn't an easy sell. In fact, both sides sustained heavy casualties before we finally agreed on a ceasefire. 
One hour after that, I was arrested by Sergeant Mariano and sent back to Earth in chains. I trusted you, Palomo. But you're not fit to lead. You're a goddamn traitor. My time with Fleet 207 ended in a dishonorable discharge, and a vow to renounce everything I'd done up there. I didn't get anything that recruiter promised me back then. Even if I wanted to go back to Metropolis West, I'm in exile. <laughs> you know, they actually thought it was worse to send me back out here than to hold me in a prison there. <laughs> One of those bouts of luck I'm not sure I deserve. I was so stupid to believe my superiors back then. People who lied and withheld information from us. You know, I doubted Potenko at first, but I wanted to put my faith in them for... I... I don't know. Did I really ever want what was best for the people around me? Or did I just convince myself of that when I joined, feeding myself the same story that they gave me? And I wonder still... If I've ever grown past that person, if I'd ever be anything more than a woman scarred by trusting other people who can't lead but doesn't want to follow, this is how my story ends. I always come back to this. But you don't have to. I can't get away from it. This is the way it always goes. There isn't a solution. Of course there is! You are a different person now because you learned from that. Heck, I'm a different person than who I was just a couple months ago. We're always becoming new people. I want to think of myself beyond what I did. But the consequences are inescapable. I hurt people. I killed people. All in the name of protecting a metropolis that didn't care about me at all. What is there beyond all that violence? You've already figured that part out, though. You've done a pretty good job of making a peaceful life here. It was hard for me to think of a place beyond constantly working for and spending cryptos for corporations that want you dead, beyond prisons and carceral punishment. But you house criminals here, and you have rehabilitation programs. The everyday violence of living in a metropolis is something you've tried to fix here. Not that it's the only solution, but it's better than doing nothing, right? So, you must get that nonviolence isn't an excuse for inaction. If you don't mind, I think it's my turn to tell you a story. And not that I didn't appreciate yours. Everyone knows I love a good saga, but I promise mine will be shorter, okay? <laughs> okay. So, I had three sisters growing up. I'm the middle child, so it was Yuni, then me, then Minso and Ji-young. Yuni and I were super close. She and I were a little closer in age than I am with Min and Ji-young. Plus, as far as engineering, our interests kind of align perfectly. I felt like she could fix anything in the whole world. And if she couldn't do it, Alma or Mom could. One time, I broke a Scraps laptop I'd been working on for weeks, and I was so devastated. I was convinced the issue was with the new GPU I put in, so I kept trying to rearrange everything to accommodate it. I think I went through like three tubes of thermal paste. <laughs> it was that bad. Finally, I figured I would just swallow my pride and bring the damn thing to Uni. Told her about all the stuff I'd done to fix it. She took one look at it, pulled everything off, and swapped out the motherboard. And then everything ran perfectly again. It was like a magic trick. And then she told me the secret. You have to go beyond what you think you know. Imagine if you could see the problem without being weighed down by how you think it should be fixed. That's where the solution is. I said earlier it takes me a long time to think about plans. But that's because I'm trying to do that. Imagine solutions without feeling trapped by the here and now. It's easier now that I'm doing art, but I'm not perfect at it. 
You're a storyteller, though, now. And that story of your life, I'm sure you can imagine who you can be beyond what you've been before. You're right. And I'm willing to try. I've been scared to do something about the threat of Potenko coming here again, destroying the communities we've made. Haven's presence here has just made that threat more real. Putting the responsibility all on myself felt like it saved people from having to make decisions. It stopped me from needing to order or even just ask people to do something. I'm scared of putting people in the same position I was in, but I was coerced into that. And people here have the freedom to make a choice. It is me stopping them from making it. You also have the freedom to choose. That's something that's always been important to Lalita and the rest of Zero Zero, and I stand by it. You take a lot of that stuff to heart. You're a good leader. I can see that in you. Lalita probably saw that in you from the start. Thank you. And for what it's worth, I think you're a good leader too. Sujin! Nell! How are we handling this? I think it's time we put all of our heads together and figure a way out of this situation. It took you all a while to break out, and we don't have more time to waste, so this is our team for now. Jet, Tari told me you have a pretty decent scanning protocol. I'm going to have you interface with our security system here, so you can locate Lalita, Indra, and Haven. Roger that. But it might take some time. Caramolplex is pretty big and there's no guarantee they're all in the same place. No worries. Just do what you can. Wherever they are, we need to extract Lalita and Indra safely. Which will be your job, Vic and Kane. Vic, you're 0 strategist, and Kane, from what I understand, you're pretty handy in a fight if necessary. Hey, as long as you watch my left side, I'm no stranger to suplexing someone. Lastly, Su Jin. I've already seen that you have skills as a diplomat. You and I are going to figure out negotiations for once we corner Haven. I won't kill her. But that does mean we need to approach this delicately. Sounds like a plan. You know, I'm getting pretty sick of doing this. And trust me when I say... I have plenty of experience being sick, but I'm patient. Very patient. I know that you and I are alone here. Whenever you decide to stop cowering, just know that I am at the only exit, waiting for you. Whenever you decide to get your head on straight and talk. That's one thing we have on our side. She doesn't know that there's actually three people here, and I'm going to be banking on that. I meant to ask, what were you doing here when you were here with Tari? The kid got lost during the power outage, so Tari and I came out here to find him. He actually hid in the same place you did before. I see. And why'd he do that? Because he was lost and couldn't ask for help. Number one rule of being lost is to stay put. Right. No one knows where we are right now. So that's our best choice, too. I think we should eliminate the threat and get her out of here. Take it from someone with experience of being kept on a tight leash. She's probably not happy that she wasn't given free reign. <laughs> Glad she got a taste of her own medicine. But I'm pretty sure Haven was hoping she could hide out, get a disguise, and move around Caramolplex without eyes on her. You don't think she'll take the bait to leave? She's already at the exit, and Nell all but announced she's looking for her. So unless we can magically call Nell here, she's not gonna run. We're all in the same position. Staying here is the smart choice. Nell's probably not the only one searching. What do you mean? She initiated lockdown. Why should we believe anyone else is out? May I remind you, you literally ripped a metal door open to find me. I have faith that the rest of Zero Zero is out there too. You're right. Even if it is just our little dove out there, it's only a matter of time before she figures out the only places to hide are the wings under construction. Which means we only have to evade Haven until someone finds all of us. So let's make their jobs a little easier and narrow down the location even further. And make it so Haven can't run away.
Hi there. If you're listening to these credits, that means that you don't get to listen to the special edition TTS version that I used to have. Um, I lost my voice before I was able to record the credits, and I actually record the credits individually every time as kind of like a finishing line point. Um, but I wanted to come back in and do it properly because the TTS does not properly pronounce pretty much anybody's name. Uh, so here I am again. Thanks for listening again, by the way, if you heard the TTS one. That was really nice of you to come back and listen all the way through to the credits. Hi, Eli Ramos here, creator and editor of Under the Electric Stars, an Astro Podcasting Network production. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and rate and review it wherever you're listening to us. You can find us on our website at underthelectricstars.com or on social media. We're Under the Electric Stars podcast on Tumblr, and yes, we are still on Twitter at UTES underscore podcast. If you really like our show, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mixeliramos. That's M-X-E-L-I-R-A-M-O-S. You can support Astro Podcasting Network at different tiers and get rewards like early access to episodes, annotated scripts, commentaries, behind-the-scenes posts, art, and even merch. That's not just for Under the Electric Stars, but all the shows on the network. The money you give directly goes to supporting our editors, showrunners, and actors who make these shows possible. Please support us if you have the means. Any amount helps. Our current merch offerings are a sticker set of Vic and Lalita and a Season 2 poster of Under the Electric Stars. If you pledge at $5 a month or higher, you get the stickers, and if you pledge at $10 a month or higher, you'll also get the poster. Keep in mind, though, you have to be pledged for at least three months to get these rewards, but from there on out, you'll be able to get every piece of merch we release that's at your tier. Check them out. Our voice talents are as follows. Katriel Rose as Nell Palomo, Christine Kim as Sujin Yi, Chitrika Budamagunta as Lalita Suravaram, Rain Angel Yoali Olachea Martinez as Indra, Mateus Noguera as Khalil Hale, John Patnode as Sebastian Reyes, Philomena Sherwood as Tari DeWitt, Stephanie Arada as Elizabeth Haven, Ari B as Ava Jafari, Kevin Pakilan as Vic Vass, Rhea Ann as Kane Reyes, and Robin Guzman as Jet. Additional voices were provided by Jay, Kobe Williams, and Enoch Fig, or Ted. Attributions for sounds and music used can be found in the show notes. Thanks to Ezra Lee Buck, Audrey Pham, and Miriam Brown, our $20 patrons on Patreon. And to everyone, thanks for listening, and see you in Caramelplex soon. Lastly, a special shout out to my family members who celebrate their birthdays in the month that this episode releases. Happy birthday to Kai and May, my dear siblings who I love more than I could ever possibly express in a single message. And of course, happy birthday to my Lola Julie who turned 100 years old this year. She was the reason why I was in the Philippines.